and welcome to The Top, the podcast that provides you with what you need to succeed in the real estate world. Brought to you by the Collin County Association of Realtors. Get ready to tackle top real estate topics in bite-sized amounts with CCAR President Shauna Quisto and Jonna Fernandez, CCAR's Chief Operating Officer. Hi, I'm Shauna. Welcome to The Top. My sweet co-host is unable to be here today, but I'm going to have the pleasure of interviewing our guest today all by myself. So I want to ask you guys to think about something. When you consider buying a home, who is typically the first person that you should contact? And I think that a lot of people think it's your real estate agent. And that is just not true. <laughs> so, you know, I think some buyers might be hesitant to reach out to a lender, but that is your first point of contact. You need to know your borrowing power and what you're able to afford. And it's it's crucial. Um, it's a crucial early step in the home buying process, and it provides a wealth of information. So today we have real estate finance coach Tristan Sherrill here to discuss what exactly a lender looks at when someone applies for a mortgage and why building a strategic mortgage plan is so important. So welcome, Tristan Sherrill. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yes. So let's begin with some key factors that lenders consider when evaluating a mortgage application. So could you tell us uh, what are the key factors that a lender is considering? Yeah, if you, if you break it down to its simplest form, it's just ability and willingness. Um, when you talk about underwriting and all the complexities of that, it really is just those two things. Uh, ability is simple math. It's, it's what is, what's your income versus your debts, um, you know, all of those things. Willingness is typically something that's uh, a little bit more of a uh, vague area, but that's where credit reports come in. They're going to look and see, have you had a willingness to repay debts in the past? And then do you have the ability to uh, make that payment? Okay, that's great. And then a person's existing debt, such as student loans, mm -hmm. car loans, how does that impact their eligibility for a mortgage? So it can, it can have a big impact. Um, and, and that's where you want to go to a lender who's kind of familiar with really all the different facets. Um, you know, when you look at your credit debt, uh, that's kind of what we're looking at. A lot of people will, will look at their total debt, but your utilities or daycare, cell phones, stuff like that that's not commonly reported to a credit report really doesn't factor in. When we look at what type of home you can afford, it's, it's two pieces. There's a front ratio. That one's the least important. That's your income versus the new house payment. They like that to be a, roughly a third. Um, so if you're, for easy numbers, if you, if you have... Uh, $1,000 a month in uh, income, $333 would be kind of where they want that payment to be. Okay. If you, now that, that number is easily surpassed, you know, with compensating factors. The more important one is the back ratio, and that is your income uh, versus the estimated new house payment plus all of your other debt. And so that's going to be credit card debt, your uh, car loans, uh, any personal loans. Student loans will vary a little bit. We've got some different facets that we can go to, and that's uh, one that we see really hurt affordability with younger people as much as anything today. Uh, Fannie Mae is going to require a 1% of that debt towards you. Uh, Freddie Mac goes to only a half percent. So that's typically with, mm -hmm. with people with a lot of student loan debt will look there. Okay. Good, Good to know. Um, and... 
I don't know, maybe it's me, but I'm seeing that a lot of people don't have that long employment history as we saw before. It seems like maybe they they aren't staying with the same employer um, for many, many years. So how does that impact their eligibility? Does it matter? It does some. Um, It's not. So typically, if you're changing jobs, that's normally not a big deal because most people are changing jobs in the same line of work. So if your line of work is, uh, let's say, if you're an attorney and you switch law firms to another law firm, we just have to be able to verify that you're employed, etc. Now, if you're an attorney and you decide to be a doctor, that's where it's problematic because from an underwriting standpoint, they don't know if you're going to be successful at that that new venture. Mm-hmm. Same thing with self-employed. So we normally want a two-year history of income. Um, but again, with compensating factors, it can be less than that. Uh, employment gaps is a big one that gets missed a lot of times, mm-hmm. I think, by lenders. Uh, if you've got a six-month job gap, uh, normally we have to explain that gap. Now, in FHA, if you've got that gap, you have to be back on the job six months. Um, and so a couple of bit differences. When you look at a conventional loan, it's the previous two years job history. With FHA, they just want a two-year history. Uh, we had a, a, a kind of a funny story. It was a, a lady, she was getting divorced. She had been a stay-at-home mom for, I think, 14 years and was just going back into the workforce. So we had to have her on the new job six months, but we had to verify her employment from back when she just got out of college. And so we had to still verify two years of employment history and six months on the job, and she qualified FHA that way. Okay. So it'll really kind of vary, you know, based on, uh, you know, what those those pieces are. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, So... Are there any red flags or pitfalls that borrowers should be aware of when they apply for a mortgage? And I, I want to say something that I always preach to to our um, our clients and, and borrowers, local lender. I think that is so, so important. This is a huge financial purchase, right? Um, probably the biggest one most people make. And having somebody that you can sit down with, that you understand and understands you and is going to be there for you and establishing that relationship, I think is just, has to be the way to go. But are there anything else, uh, yeah, any no, other things? I that... think I think you hit the nail on the head. If, it, if it's too good to be true, um, you, you need to be cautious. Uh, we see in fact, story, I had a customer's name was Patrick, great guy, got along with him really, really well, but he was an engineer. So at the end of the day, he was all about the logic of numbers, mm-hmm. and he told me from the beginning he's going with whoever's the cheapest. Yeah. Uh, you know, he desperately wanted to go with us, got along with the team really well, but he had pretty much told himself, I'm going to go with whatever the cheapest rate is. Well, he found, a, a, and I think it was in North Carolina, it was an online kind of a deal, and it was a quarter percent cheaper. He called me, said, hey, you know, if you'd match this, I want to go. And I had said, hey, we, we gave you our best deal. Here's where we are. Long story short, uh, he calls me about seven days before closing and said, hey, can can you guys still do my loan? I said, yeah, we can. But the, the issue is, you know, I canceled four weeks ago because you told us you were going somewhere else. We just got to reactivate the, uh, the loan. And we can probably get it done for you in about, 12, 14 days. Well, he had the, the, he wasn't going to be able to extend because they had a backup oh, offer at a higher gosh. amount. 
And so over that quarter percent, what happened was the the online lender just stopped returning anybody's call. He couldn't get a hold of anybody. You know, who knows what it was. I, and so what they'll do is they'll quote you a low rate and then hope that the market dips a little bit and they can lock that in. And if it doesn't happen, they just basically go away. And that's what happened to him. So nobody could <laughs> get a hold. You. Yeah. So <laughs> nice. he, he ended up losing his earnest money, uh, lost the house, and had to go back into renting to save again because he was a, a low down payment customer. Oh, so gosh. a lot of times you just got to really be cautious about, you know, sometimes what looks like a better deal could end up costing you a lot of money. And when you look at the local lender piece, one of the things that we see a lot is the customer that really thinks that, well, I should go with my Bank of America or my Wells Fargo because, you know, that's going to look the best to a buyer because that's such a large bank. But what they don't understand is for us that are in the business, you know, most agents understand that that's a giant, you're a cog in this giant machine and you're more likely to miss closing. And at the end of the day, the seller has as much, if not more, anxiety than the buyer. They typically have oh, sure. that, yeah. that chaos of those dates that have to be set up and, and everything has to fall in place where they could lose their new home. Yeah, it's a domino effect. And so that's where kind of that local lender, I think, comes in as a, a piece that really helps. But uh, just the, the timelines and all of that. But local lending is, I mean, you can knock on the door, sit down in front of in their office and talk about the whole thing. and and really kind of get that feel for what's going to be best for you. Yeah. Great information. Yes. I, you know, I've seen that myself um, when, you know, and something I've found in this industry is you said it, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. There's nothing that's for free. And there's right. no, I mean, this person is not going to be able to offer you something crazy that the other person can't match or, or come close to, right? And, yeah, and, and it all, you know, everybody gets their money from the same place. Right. It's, it's all kind of starts here, and then it, they are going to, rates are going to vary a little bit, but it's based on margin. You know, um, the bigger banks typically have higher margins um, than kind of the smaller independent banks. So you got to look at, you know, all of the pieces. But at the end of the day, I, I tell everybody, it's going to be whoever you're the most comfortable with, whoever's going to look out for you the best. Um, that's really what you're looking for more than anything is somebody that will educate you and then advocate for you. Right. So t- from my from my seat, um, the real estate portion is more exciting than the lending side. <laughs> By far. <laughs> you know, but I mean, if you can't get your, your mortgage, then you can't come over to my side. So um, what documents and paperwork are typically required um, just to get the application started or through the process. Right. No, you're right. I mean, so you guys handle the emotional aspect yes. of it, which is the, the fun part. Uh, we handle the logic piece, which yeah. is uh, the, the dull part. But um, <laughs> to, to make it as simple as possible, we just need income, asset, and ID. So we're looking for, you know, uh, proving the income. For a typical customer, that's going to be most recent 30-day pay stubs and, and last couple years W-2s. Uh, if they're self-employed, it changes that up a little bit. Then it could be 1099s or K-1s in the last two years' tax returns. Um, and then when we look at assets, it's really any liquid asset. So it could be 401K, stocks, bonds, uh, 60 days worth of bank statements. And that's one where a lot of people are a little bit confused on is the bank statement piece. Uh, we do have to look for large deposits. We have to source and season all funds. They have to ensure that you're not, uh, you know, an illegal arms dealer and funneling and, (laughs) you know, 
so, uh, and then have you ever ran across that? No, but we have had uh, <laughs> a lot of issues with uh, people having kind of that. Hey, my down payment's ninety thousand dollars in a shoebox under my bed. Yeah. Well, that's problematic. And as it turned out, in the I guess in the eighties and nineties, um, the cartels one of their best ways to uh, launder money was to buy homes and then put them up for sale. So it pay cash, put them up for sale. Jeez. And then the Patriot Act came out and, and mm-hmm. you know, all that has to be sourced and seasoned and any large deposit. So if you, you've got a debt, you know, maybe a friend owes you money and you deposited it, that uh, has to be shown as well. And then identification is just, you know, driver's license or passport or wherever's easiest. Okay. Well, good. Yeah. I'm glad, glad that's in check. Right. <laughs> um, so affordability is obviously an issue, um, and just coming up with the down payment, mm-hmm. I think, is is something that a lot a lot of people struggle with today. Are there any incentives for, say, first time home buyers that we could be aware of that we could? Um, yeah. So share? for uh, you know through Fannie Mae, you've got uh, any first time home buyer you know can do as little as three percent down. Okay. Uh, we have a program right now that is a 1% down conventional product, um, kind of along those same lines. So it's mm-hmm. not a, okay. Right. Um, you've got uh, the Home Ready product. Uh, there's all the different down payment assistance. Um, a lot of those are going to be uh, kind of have an income maximum. Uh, they're, they're looking to help out with affordability. People that are typically under 100% of AMI, some, you know, the, the mm-hmm. average median income. Uh, a lot of them are... Uh, uh, 80%. And then you've okay. got some of them, the most aggressive ones are typically 50% AMI. And and those are hard in this area. Those are typically right. more rural areas where you're going to find that those will work for you. But uh, I think at the 80%, that's a household income of something, I, I believe it's around seventy six, seventy seven thousand dollars $77,000. Okay. So, you know, not, not huge, but um, there should be a lot of people that qualify and fall into that range. Our 1% down conventional is an 80% AMI product. Okay. I like that. But there's know. there's a ton there's always a lot of them and I think the affordability issue, especially with the the rise and what we've seen with rates, is going to be yeah. uh, a big one for a lot of first time home buyers. One of the things we see a lot though is the first time home buyer who is looking to wait until rates go back down, <laughs> and the the problem they have with that and and look most economists think we're going to see lower rates in about eighteen months. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Rates go up with inflation, they come down with inflation, and yep. they think that we're going to have that under control in about 18 months. And so when we kind of talk to those customers about that, it does make a big difference in that payment. But what ends up happening was rates go down like that, you also get this feeding frenzy like we had yes. two years ago. And we had about 80 first-time homebuyers that could never win a home because yeah. they didn't have the fifty or dollars $100,000 above list for the privilege of buying the home. They didn't have a home they were selling. They didn't have that equity. And so they get left out. And we're trying to really let them know. Um, and it's getting into that again. I mean, um, this month we saw nationally average days on market went from 29 to 22. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, nationally, 33% home, 33% of homes, again, are above list on offer. Now, it's not crazy. They're, you know, but still above list. And for a first-time home buyer who's looking for as little out-of-pocket to get into that home, I think it's important that they kind of get it when they can. And at the higher rate, it does give them a much better chance of, of getting into that home. And then think of it as, you know, hey, I'm just going to make due for 18 months, and then we're going to re- – we have a thing called rate recast where we're 
fight refinancing all of our clients at no cost, no lender fees, just to get them into a better yeah. deal once rates come down. Yeah. And I think if you ask anyone <clears throat> when they purchased a home, did they ever think they bought at like the best time or the, you know, the right when rates were the lowest or, you know, it was the least expensive time to buy a home. And I think they'll find the answer is no. And, you know, we try to educate from our side that if, if, it, if the time is right and you have your down payment and you're, you're, you're ready, then do it. Right? Yeah, and that's it, how you're going to build wealth. Exactly, and it, and not just build wealth, but when we look at wealth, I mean, and that's kind of why we do this. Is mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, you know statistically, when we look at the the uh, average homeowner has forty times more wealth than a renter. Yep, that's significant. When we look at you know at retirement, the average American eighty three percent of their wealth comes from their home equity, not from their four hundred one k, not from a pension. Mm-hmm. We help people do that. And uh, I think it's important that they know that, you know, when you get later on in, in life and you're looking for, you know, what's going to sustain me as I move into that kind of golden era for you, it's typically your home is, is what yeah. that, that most important piece is. And uh, we're seeing a lot more young people get into kind of understanding that and looking at, you know, instead of selling my home, I'm going to rent it out. Uh, kind of goes to a little bit more of the lack of inventory, mm-hmm. but that's that's our biggest issue right now. When we look at, so one of the things that we look at is what are the uh, uh, kind of household formations, and so when you look at household formations over the next three years, that's going up, and it's it's determined by um, thirty the uh, birth rate, the thirty three years after birth rate, because your first, okay. your average first time home buyer is thirty three years old. Now, uh, that's going up in the next three years, and we've mm-hmm. seen nothing but decline in inventory or in uh, uh, new home construction, and not just just new home, but apartments, just any of that. And so we're going to see rents and home prices and all of that go up because at the end of the day, economics is just supply right. and demand. Yeah, yeah, very true. Well, you being a real estate finance coach, Tristan, um, could you tell our listeners what a strategic mortgage plan is and why it is so important? Yeah, for us, you know, when we talk about buying a home, for most people, this is the largest, most complex financial transaction they're ever going to make. And so it's important to kind of look at that from from that angle. Um, you know, there's a large national chain that has a you know, push button, get mortgage. We feel that is extremely irresponsible. So what we do is we start out um, and we we do a personal mortgage report for that client and we let them know in the beginning that is not meant to be anything final. Uh, that that uh, It's a digital report that goes out to them. It typically is going to show them three or four different options that they qualify for. And it gives them all the numbers from monthly payments, cash to close. Uh, we graph that over a period of time so we can see what it looks like now versus what it looks like in the future with regard to uh, principal and interest payment, all of those things. And more than anything else, that's meant for the client. It, the, the hope is that it prompts that client for questions for us they didn't even know they had. And then we sit down and we go through and we talk about what their priorities are. What are their needs? What are their short-term or their long-term goals? And we talk about what's coming up in their life. Do they have you know, kids that are, you know, going to be hitting college soon? Do they have, you know, any major life milestones that we need to take into consideration? And then we talk about what's, you know, what is most important? Is it low monthly payment? Is it 
uh, building equity? Is it tax benefits? Is it lowest cash out of pocket? And then we create a strategic mortgage plan specifically to them, catered to what those needs are to help put them. And the, the goal for us is to set them up for success in the future uh, for that generational wealth versus uh, a hardship. So that's what we hope with all of that is to kind of determine what's best and then build out a plan specific to them, whether it be, you know, uh, uh, the, the type of program, the down payment, all of that's factored into uh, to that. And ultimately, it's always the customer's, uh, the, 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 it's their decision. Mm-hmm. And they're going to know more about their family and their, you know, specific needs than we will. But by going through that, we can kind of give them the pros and cons of everything and help really try to build out something that's going to be best for them. And that's really guiding and, you know, a little education in there Mm -hmm. as well, because sometimes I don't think people know what they need or, you know, what all of that looks like. It's very, it could be overwhelming and intimidating, but I love that you do that. You sit down and you dive deep and, and really understand what, what they should do and guide them properly. So I really love that you do that. We feel like our role is more than anything else. It's not to, uh, you know, put together a mortgage and, you know, at at the end of the day we sell debt. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's not, there's nothing sexy about that. We're going to put you in in debt. Um, But if we do that right, we're going to put you in debt that is eventually going to yield uh, wealth for you in the future. And, And we've seen that. I mean, you, we have buyers that bought three years ago and bought a home that was three hundred thousand, and it's worth almost six hundred yeah. now. I mean, it's now crazy. that's a little more unique than uh, th- this market that we've had the last yeah. three years. But, but that's kind of the key is to you know get people into it right. Uh, you know, ensure that it's something that they can afford on the long term. That we look for kind of what hiccups could come up. Make sure that they retain that home and create create that wealth. Yeah, and you know, seeing that success, I know that 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 makes me happy and okay. it makes you happy, and that's that's you know why we do what we do is is to see them achieve that mm-hmm. the American dream. Absolutely. Um, so you know, we just talked about a home purchase being your largest investment. And why it's so important to have a strategy. And I just want to thank you so much, Tristan. You're you're such an amazing professional in our industry, and I I, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Thank oh, it's you my so pleasure. Much. So for those listening, thanks for hanging out with us, and don't forget to subscribe to Welcome to the Top wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. If you have a question or a topic you would like to discuss on the podcast, we want to hear it. Email us at ask at welcometothetop.com, then listen to hear it covered. We can't wait to hear from all of you. So thank you for listening. I'm Shauna Quisto. Let's keep building for our future. Special thanks to our hosts, Shauna Fernandez and Shauna Quisto. Producer, Bree Westbury. Audio engineer, Mike Maples. Outreach and guest relations manager, Kendall Crawford and podcast administrator, Sean Offsell. Tune in next time, and don't forget to enjoy your journey to the top. The statements made by speakers in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views or position of the Collin County Association of Realtors, its leadership, or its members. This podcast is not intended to give legal, financial, medical, or other advice, but simply to provide information as a springboard to further discussion and investigation.